if you're not having failures or if you're not getting criticized, you're playing it too safe. You're not thinking big enough. So I get nervous if we're not doing things that didn't work because that means we are completely playing it safe and we're focusing on doing the normal things and we're complacent. Every business needs to reinvent constantly. Well, it's time for another episode of the podcast, and we've got a good one for you today. David and I are here, and we're going to talk about baseball today. I mean, kind of. So, David, are you a baseball fan? I'm a huge baseball fan. I'm actually a Cubs fan, which Cubs teach you a lot about um, long-suffering. So that's been my experience, and yeah, I've been a Cubs fan my whole life. I'm a Dodgers fan, so I actually root against the Cubs as well. Uh, I grew up playing baseball, so I love the game. But realistically, I hear a lot of people say baseball is boring. And what I love about entrepreneurs is entrepreneurs try to solve problems. And the guy we have on the podcast today is literally helping to solve this problem of baseball being boring. And really, it's more of a circus. It's more of entertainment than it is baseball. And I love this guy, Jesse. I read his book called Find Your Yellow Tux. And I said, we got to get this guy on the podcast. I mean, I found myself laughing, tearing up at different points. I mean, just incredible showman, understands human nature. And I just absolutely love what they're doing. The Savannah Bananas, their rivals, the Macon Bacon. I mean, they just have a great take and perspective on baseball. So technology is a wonderful thing, but it can also sometimes get in the way a little bit. Uh, We had to cut a few things out of this episode due to some technical difficulties, but there's still so much gold in here. I think you're going to love today's episode, whether you like baseball or not. This honestly isn't about baseball. It's about people. It's about human nature. It's about creating beautiful moments. I think you're going to love the conversation with Jesse as much as I loved it. And there's something really specific we want you to do. We want you to follow along with us at Stay Forth Designs on Instagram. We're going to be releasing some new content. We've got some new goodies over there. We can't quite share what those are, but we're going to be releasing some things that you don't want to miss. So go ahead and follow us over on Instagram. And as always, we're so thankful that you're listening to the podcast. Please subscribe if you haven't subscribed or uh, share it, write a review, rate us on whatever platform that you listen to us on. That helps us out a ton. It helps us get in front of more listeners and more leaders to spread this message of, of health and leadership. So we hope that you enjoy this episode with Jesse Cole. Well, hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. I know I say this every time, but I'm super excited for today's guest, Jesse Cole. And uh, Jesse has a lot of fun doing what he is doing. He is clearly doing what he wants to be doing. And I read his book, Find Your Yellow Tux, uh, right over the Christmas break. And I'm telling you, it was one of those that I would say it fun punched me right in the face as a reminder that's a key part uh, of our business. That's a key part of Stay Forth Designs. It's such a key part of leadership. So Jesse, I'm excited to crack open some stories with you today. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm pumped to be with you, Alan. And anybody that says that yeah, they got fun punched in the face is the perfect testimony, the perfect way to start this show today. Your your book hurt me so good. Like it was <laughs> exactly what I needed. That's actually one of our four values at Stay Forth Designs. And I think it's, you know, you talk about this in the book, how we, we don't really graduate from that. And I think we're tempted to think, oh, that was just kind of silly or that was just something that we did. But it's a big part of what we do 
here. And if you guys are wondering, we talk about socking. I had to sock Jesse after reading this book and just say, you know, how can I help? And one of those ways I want to help is just by getting out on the podcast, guys, you got to pick up the book. Um, so let's just kind of bust into your story of how the heck you moved into running a minor league baseball program and then a second one. <laughs> Here's the spark notes version. I, I grew up uh, only child had one huge love and it was baseball and I played all the time. My father even left his job to buy a baseball facility. So because I was grew up in Massachusetts, so I could play year round. So baseball was my life. My dad used to joke. He said, Jesse, uh, you can't go to college unless you get a full baseball scholarship. So I worked my butt off, was fortunate to get a full scholarship, went to college, was ready to go uh, pro. That was my whole plan. That was started hearing from teams, tore everything in my shoulder. And that ended that pretty quickly. And uh, so I looked into getting into coaching and I actually tried coaching for a little bit, Alan. And I'll tell you, there's a big difference between playing baseball and watching baseball. And I realized watching baseball was one of the most boring things in the world. And so I actually thought that was a great opportunity to to make a change, to try to create the game to be fun for the fans. So I took on the worst uh, performing team in the country in a small town right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina in Gastonia and uh, showed up that first day uh, as a general manager at 23 years old. You know, I don't think they would. No one wanted the job, so that's why they gave it to me because there was o- there was only 200 fans coming to the games and uh, 268 dollars in the bank account that first day. So I realized we had a huge problem on our hands, and uh, you know, I realized what business we're in, but what business we're really in. And we weren't in the baseball business because we weren't attracting fans or bringing in revenue. So at that point, we decided to uh, create a circus and where a baseball game would break out, and we started trying numerous promotions. Grandma beauty pageants, flatulence fun nights, salute to underwear nights, you name it, we tried it. And uh, we started creating attention and learning that people want to be entertained, they want to have fun. And that's where it started. That was, you know, back uh, many years ago. And, you know, since then, I ended up buying that team, I ended up sold, selling that team, it went from, you know, having a couple hundred fans to selling out games. And then we decided where the journey take a huge step was coming to Savannah, Georgia, where professional baseball was there for 90 years, but it failed because no one was coming to games and they left and left this abandoned stadium. And we said, why don't we try? And that was just three years ago. Man, I love, uh, as I'm reading the book, just hearing about you and your wife going, are, are we going to do this now? And obviously you and Emily are very involved in, in leading this together. My wife and I are a team and really co-lead Stay Forth Designs together. Um, talk a little bit about that and that process of this dream. You got this empty stadium and you got a lot of vision. What did it take? You talk about an all-in moment. What was your all-in moment and what was that season like? You know, we believed that we were doing something special. And I think so many companies today, they're in it for the wrong reasons. They may just look to try to make some profit or they see this quick opportunity or they feel like they could be a little bit better. Well, we believed we were doing something dramatically different than everyone else. And we focus on this all the time. Be the only. Better isn't different. Only is different. What can you be the only? And we believed we were the only team in the country where we had dancing players. Every single game, our players do choreographed dances. Uh, You know, a senior citizen dance team, pep bands. We believed we could do some things dramatically different. Uh, Make every single ticket all you can eat, where you didn't get nickel and dime when you come to the ballpark. So we had this vision. But when we came to Savannah, you know, people didn't know what to expect with us and we couldn't get any attention. We sold one ticket in the first two months and it got so bad that 
in January of 2016, you know, I got a phone call. We overdrafted our account and we're completely out of money. And that's when my wife turned to me and said, Jesse, we have to sell the house. And she just had this unbelievable belief in me and what we were doing that it was no big deal for her. We sold the house and got at the worst fixer up you could ever imagine and started sleeping on an airbed. And, you know, I look back at that time and I don't think it was anything like, you know, wow, you know, oh, how are we doing this? It was just, hey, take that next step. And we just always believed there was a next step. What's that story? You know, when I think when so many entrepreneurs, when they have this failure, if they look at it and say, you know what, this is going to be a great story and stay optimistic and positive and look at that next step. That's what we did. We said, all right, we're struggling now. We got to create attention. We got to name the team something ridiculous. We got to come up with all these ideas to get people talking about us. And once we do that, they'll understand our heart and what we believe in that we really want to create the best fan experience in the world. And uh, we just had that vision and uh, faith. And, you know, I, everyone comes back to me, he's like, how do you do it? I'm like, you know, you just, you just keep taking steps. You keep taking steps. And that's what we did. Man, I love the stories you're out there with the yellow tuck. Some of them, I'm literally, I'm just laughing so hard reading the book. I heard you on the Story Brand podcast as well. And just saying, we need more of that. We need more belly laughing today. I love how you're saying we're not in the entertainment or we're, sorry, we're not in the baseball business. We're in the entertainment business. And you're taking a game that many times is staling out. And you're saying there's so much potential here. Um, and you guys are you guys are like selling tickets for this summer, sold out games for last summer. Like it's insane. What's what's happening there? Um, and what do you think is at the very heart of the success of the Savannah Bananas? The, the heart of, of why we do what we do is we believe we care more. And we're trying to create a world that cares more. Now, what do we care about? We care about being different. We care about challenging the status quo. We care about attention. And the fundamentally, what do we care about is our people. And I share this all the time, but love your customers more than you love your product, but love your employees more than you love your customers. And we go all in. Our name of our company is Fans First Entertainment. Our biggest fans are our people. That's what we focus on. That's what we try to create memories. And, you know, one of the biggest things we talk about now is, is how do you create happy tears? And we've had some moments where we've had seven-year-old kids in the crowd, uh, you know, literally just bawling their eyes out because they were so happy and meeting the players and getting autographs and having fun. And we've had our employees when we surprise them, you know, with a trip to game one of the World Series or a trip to uh, Ireland to go with her father and, you know, to go to the, see their favorite band and go backstage and VIP. It's the moments that matter most. And we always talk about moments, matter, and meaning. Create moments that make people feel like they matter, and that drives deeper meaning. And nothing matters more than making people feel like they matter. So the root of what we do, as crazy it is, and we give away Porta Johns, colon cleansings. I mean, we're, we're developing a male cheerleading team called the Mananas this season. I mean, we're bizarre because we, we, we care about fun, but it comes down to why do you do what you do? And it's, it's, it's how do you make people feel? And I think very few businesses actually map the journey of how they make their employees and their customers feel. We talk about the emotions and we're okay about it. And, you know, to, to couple up that, it, I don't think there's enough fun out there. You know, people talk about, we're talking about this before we recorded about professionalism. You know, it's okay to have fun. If you're not laughing in the office every day, you're missing something. We need more fun. And so we're ridiculous. We sing in the office. We dance in the office. We record the most outrageous videos every day just because you should never take yourself seriously. We take our work seriously, but we don't take ourselves seriously. And I've been inspired by some great leaders like Bill Veck and Walt Disney and P.T. Barnum that have brought that to me. And 
I'll tell you, it makes going to the office every single day fun. And our people, I always ask, I, you know, why do you guys like it here so much? And they go, oh, we do this, we do that. I go, really, why though? They go, it's the people. It's the people. We care about each other and we have fun. And that's what I think is really the root of what we do. I love it. And even, you know, in the book, so many of your influences and you're a voracious reader. So many people here are, are reading and, and I just, I see that you're always kind of looking for the next idea and for a spark somewhere, but so many of your influences are outside of baseball. And if you want to take baseball to another place, I guess, except for Bill Vec, really for you, so much of it is the PT Barnums of the world that you say, man, they created something special uh, and just the hunger to keep digging into that. Um, talk about failure for, for a minute. It's a, a big theme for the book for me is go for it. Um, what's all in, you got to take some risks and you kind of laugh off a lot of those risks. Talk about some little micro failures along the way. Like what was some cool, crazy, weird stuff you guys tried that just didn't work? <laughs> we had so many and you know, it's, I get asked that question a lot and I'm like, I just don't, I don't think about failures because, you know, for us, failure is discovery. It's, it's what did we discover today? Because we don't look at it. Failure is such this nasty, terrible word that we're scared of. And yes, we've done a lot of promotions and things that haven't worked. You know, I, I talk about the salute to underwear night where only a couple hundred fans showed up. You know, I talk about the, the flatulence fun night where the whoopee cushions came in and they were the size of like, you know, nickels. They were tiny. Kids whoopee cushion night, no one showed up. And the world's largest tickets that literally our fans hated them because they were the size of giant posters and they couldn't put them in their pockets. I mean, we've tried a lot of wild things that that haven't worked, but it's it's not failure to us. I, I think I think it's it's all perception. You know, I give an idea. Uh, just a few months ago, we decided to put on our own concert, calling it Bananas Beach Bash. And unfortunately, there was a hurricane coming down the coast, and it was supposed to hit Savannah, so we had to cancel the concert. The hurricane moved. It was a perfect 75 degree sunny day. We had 500 t-shirts ready to go. We had all the beer, all the food, and the concert was canceled. We had to pay all of the the, the, the bands, the vendors. We had all these t-shirts and we laugh at it. That cost us a lot of money. But what we learned, A, is we probably shouldn't be in that game. <laughs> That's not what we can be the best at. It's not what you're doing. And so what do we do? We sent out those t-shirts to tons of fans, to people that wanted to buy tickets or bought tickets. And now they have t-shirts that says Bananas Beach Bash of a concert that never actually happened. <laughs> So, so again, you, you just look at it differently. And, and, and if, if you're not having failures or if you're not getting criticized, you're playing it too safe. You're not thinking big mm -hmm. enough. So I get nervous if we're not doing things that didn't work because that means we are completely playing it safe and we're focusing on doing the normal things and we're complacent. Every business needs to reinvent constantly, constantly look at new opportunities and do things that they can be the only at. And uh, so, I mean, we're going to have a huge failure probably in the next 12 to 16 months as we announce that we're going to change the game of baseball. And we're actually going to change the rules and create a completely different game that should be a lot more fun and a lot more exciting. There will be a lot of failures from that, but we're not going to look at it like that. We're going to look at what's the next step. And, and just to jump on that, Alan, I mean, we first did All You Can Eat, feeding 4,000 fans. We had lines for like days, literally. The first few games, it was like 60 minutes to be able to get food. It was the worst. But next game got better. The next game got better. And now we can feed 4,000 people all you can eat within five minutes at any point during the game. And that's where you have to get over those and not look at it as like, oh, we're crushed. We failed. We're done. No, we're going to get better next day. Yeah. How many times does it just push into it again? And I love that you share the 
failures within the book because so many times it's like, well, now they're selling out and now they're killing it. And now they're kind of a national phenomenon. But I love that you take us to those moments where you had a decision on how to view that night. And you kind of talk about, hey, let's huddle it up and go, that wasn't good enough. We'll get it next time. We'll get it next time. And so I just really appreciated that about the book, Jesse. It's so reachable because you're sharing, hey, you're not going to get it right all the time. And, and sometimes you feel the the perfect leadership story comes out in the book and, uh, you know, it feels like the person's never failed. And uh, so I think it's just given a lot of hope to people because you're sharing the real story with us. Thanks. And, and I'll add to that. I think, Alan, you know, you need to encourage your people, if your employees, the people you work with to fail and you need to let them fail. So many of us want to jump in and save the day. They don't learn that. The greatest entrepreneurs have learned by doing, by failing, by discovering new things. And I think that is so important for us to be able to let them fail and, and experience it. And so that's something that we're so cognizant of these days. It's like, all right, guys, what are we doing? What are we failing at? What are, we, what are, we, what are our challenges right now? And uh, that's been really eye-opening for us as we're trying to build leaders within our organization. And before the podcast, we're talking just a little bit about uh, health and longevity is a big a big deal here. We have people who are in churches, people who are in local nonprofits, people who are doing stuff that matters a lot to them. And we now have a lot of side hustlers um, listening, kind of launching a passion project, hoping to do that more. And uh, and we talk a lot about sustainability. And I have a fear that a lot of times we're launching new things and processes that just aren't sustainable. And talk about kind of your big three of how you guys uh, and you personally even seek that health and that sustainability. Yeah, I would say the last three years have been just unbelievable for me in the sense that I've challenged the way that I used to start my days. I've challenged the way that I look at days. And, um, you know, in 2016, the big thing, the big thing that changed in my life was I started the thank you experiment. And every day I started writing one thank you letter and it, it changed my life, the connections and the impact that I was able to share with others and the impact that it made on me was everything. And I never really had this perception of gratitude. And so I started doing that and now it's continued now for three years. I've written over a thousand thank you letters, but I started my day on purpose and reading Hal Elrod's Miracle Morning uh, was a huge influence. But now, you know, before I would wake up, I would check everything on social media. You know, I'd be focusing on all of this nonsense and everything else. You know, now I wake up every morning at 5 a.m. First thing I do is I write a thank you letter. Then I journal. Then I write 10 ideas every single morning. I write 10 ideas. Then I read. And then I go for a run while listening to a podcast. And that's before my day even starts. I've already won the day. And so when I started focusing on loving myself, putting myself in the best position to be successful and give to others, it really made a huge impact on not just the people I work with, but everyone in my life. And recently I wrote down my energy list and I said, you know, write down the things in your life that give you energy. And I wrote down like I had seven or eight things that just give me unbelievable energy right now. This is giving me energy. And I said, how many times am I doing that in a given day? So many times we're putting out fires during the day and we're running around focusing on other people's priorities. Once I started deciding this is what gives me energy. This is where I have gratitude. This is where I'm getting my mind in a good spot. My efficiency, my productivity, and my overall happiness and how I show up in the world has increased dramatically. And the one big thing that I add from to finish the night off, and I mentioned this in the book, um, Rose, Rose, Bud. You know, I think I, I got this from uh, Neil Pashrika in the happiness equation. He actually throws a thorn in there. 
but I, I don't like any negativity in my life. So every night before my wife and I go to sleep, we don't miss a night. It's rose, rose, bud. I say something that was great from the day. She says something great from the day. And then we go back and forth. And finally, we finish with a bud and something that we're looking forward to. So by starting the day with gratitude, by getting your mind in a good space, by doing things that give you energy, and then finishing with gratitude with your significant other, it's amazing how we look at the world now. And we don't get frustrated by those stuff because we have so much gratitude. We filled our bucket so much. And I hope that's what we try to do to others is fill their bucket as well. That's good. I, I see so many leaders living as reaction instead of action, instead of, you know, you mentioned when the win the morning, win the day. And um, so many times I think we're just kind of whatever social media or email or our company or, you know, fires will put our way, then we'll just kind of handle it for the day. Um, and I'm hearing more and more leaders talk about as you break that next level of productivity that really it's about our energy, where we put on our best, our best energy. So that resonates so well with what we talk about around here. Um, you're a young dad now. So you're what, nine months into the process of being a dad. Um, talk a little bit about how that has changed your mindset or your outlook. What's that done to you becoming a father? You know, it's interesting. I started, I started writing uh, more passionately and deeply once I found out that, you know, my wife and I were having a baby. And, you know, I wrote a, I wrote a letter to our, our, our son before he was even born. And we didn't even know if we were going to have a boy or a girl. And we had a, a crazy scare at the when, when she was in labor and we were so lucky that everyone turned out healthy, but, um, it's perspective. You know, every year I choose a word the the great one word book by uh, John Gordon and my word this year was connection. And I realized that I've been connected all of us by quote unquote, thousands of people online, but how many deep connections do we have and what connections matter most to you? And I thought, you know what, as more I'm getting out there and fortunate speaking all over the country and developing lots of connections and followers online, the deeper connections to the closest people to me mean the most. So um, I've changed my days. I come home every day at three o'clock and uh, I come home three o'clock and just spend time with my wife and my son. I go in earlier, I get my work done, I get what I need to do. But um, it's just, it's brought a whole nother level of happiness and I think perspective onto why you're doing what you're doing. And I, I've always believed that as a business owner, um, if you look at your people and your employees like you do your kids and vice versa and how you're raising them and how you're helping them grow and helping them develop. It's unbelievable. The similarities that I'm seeing both ways and, and working, you know, and spending time with my son Maverick and making sure I care about him. And it's not about my priorities and what I need to do or going on my phone or responding to other people. Same thing with your employees. How many times do you go to the office and you might run by and say, Hey, how was your weekend? But you really don't even care that much about the answer. You just keep going. You're just doing it as a courtesy. I mean, really being present and spending time with the people. And that's what this perspective of being with my son and my wife has brought to me a team. It's like, no, spend time. I take our people out to lunch regularly. My wife goes for walks with our people around the stadium. That's what it's all about. So, you know, it's just about how do you show up every day? I think uh, the perspective has been really, really special. Awesome. I've got, I got four kids and, and I know that that, I mean, there's just something shifts, I think, especially in in a man to go, whoa, like this didn't, you know, you hear about moms going through pregnancy, but man, it, it rocked me in so many different ways. And that's so, um, yeah, thanks for, for sharing that. So, um, talk a little about, uh, customers, employees, and then self, you mentioned kind of those, those three, why is it important to take care of not only customers and employees, but ourself in the process of leadership? 
I used to think it was crazy when I was in a plane and, and they would say, all right, if case of emergency, make sure you give yourself oxygen first and then give it to your kid. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. But now as I started to realize it, you need to give yourself oxygen first. If you don't have your health and that's physical and mental, then how can you be your best for others? And, and that has been so, I've been so cognizant of that recently. And you know, for me, one trigger is every time I walk in a door, I tell myself, bring the energy, you know, bring the energy because I think this world needs more energy. And when you bring energy, you light people up, all right? And so, uh, you know, I look at that as, as how am I showing up every single day? And um, if you really love your employees and really love your customers, you have to be in a great spot and you have to be able to not be frustrated down or not healthy. I mean, if you're sick, mentally or physically, you can't be there for your people. So um, that's why I start every morning with my, my focus on myself. And then when I come into the office, it's on our people, really connecting with them talking to them, not just saying, how can I help you? How can I help you is one of the worst questions anybody can ever ask, because you should know, you should be able to there to see what they need and provide value. So I really go spend time and connect and, and talk to them about challenges and adversity. And then we're always coming back to what are we doing to create the best experience for our fans? And, and, you know, that's, we try to simplify everything. Every decision we make, is it fans first? You know, our whole model, is it fans first? Is it putting our employees first? Is it putting our, our customers, our guests first? And it makes it really simple. I think so many people have all these core beliefs, these mission statements, these all things that they don't like actually simplify them. You know, everything for us is really, really simplified. And I think if you really believe your core beliefs, your mission, do you have stories that back it up? And as a leader, we are trying to create stories every day that back that up, that we can share with others to really enforce them. So, um, you know, again, it's love your customers more than you love your product, love your employees more than your customers and love yourself above all. And and when you put those three together, I think you can create um, just a, a better life for everyone around you and not just yourself. Man, I could listen to Jesse all day. Just the excitement that he brings to the table is so fun to, to listen to. Alan, what stuck out to you in this podcast? Well, I've already implemented several of the things from his book, Find Your Yellow Tux, into Stay Forth Designs, including an idea box. When I get an idea, just put it in there, think about it later, talk with some of the teammates here at Stay Forth about that. But really for me, it's how do we take an ordinary moment and create an extraordinary moment? I mean, between innings, they're doing some ridiculous stuff. I mean, I love the stories of the old cheerleaders they call the banana nanas, and they just have created such an amazing family culture there. And there's a reason that they're sold out for a long time. And uh, so I just think it's that for me, it's taking an ordinary moment and creating this moment that people will never forget. So here's the question, how can you take ordinary moments and turn them into extraordinary and memorable moments? How can you take the ordinary moments and turn them into extraordinary moments? Thanks for joining us for another episode. We love having you guys listen along. And one more reminder that you can indeed lead for the long haul without losing your soul. So long.